This is the Shift Podcast. Today on the Shift Daily Podcast, our first every Monday, Monday morning conversation, community engagement partner at Bromwich and Smith, Taz Rajan, helps us understand some tips on how we can take control of our finances as we lead up to Black Friday and Christmas shopping. And another star is leaving Grey's Anatomy. Will it ever be the same? Shift heads, let us know what favorite shows had a cast member leave and the shows were never the same again. It's a long list, much longer than I thought it was. Plus, are you okay with meat? DIY meat. It's weird. What about online dating? All of this and more on the Shift Daily Podcast. I like shopping. I will confess. Although, you know, it's different. I have very different opinions about what I buy. I like nice things. I don't know about you. Uh, Who doesn't like nice things? Um, But I will spend more on a nice thing I love and be okay with it. And then I will be cheap and be like, that thing's seven dollars. There's no way I'm spending seven dollars on that. So I will spend three hundred dollars on a really. I have a shirt, a beautiful shirt. I spent three hundred dollars on that shirt nine years ago. I still wear it. Nice. Now I I will say no to a ten dollar shirt um, because it's not going to last you more than three months. So I feel like that works for me. How does it work for you? Eight seven seven three nine nine ninety eight ninety eight. What are you cheap about? What are you willing to spend money on? I'm curious. Our guest right now is our buddy Taz. We're doing a little uh, a little Monday responsible money thinking uh, here for Monday morning. Um, what is what is spending as we tiptoe our way through Christmas towards Christmas? More importantly, Taz, um, you we have we have Black Friday. The ultimate temptation is coming up. Oh, yeah. And um, is there one thing that you're that you're struggling with that you really want to? Because you've been through this. Oh, I have. And you know what? I'm going to say I'm the opposite of you, or I have been in the past. I wrote a blog once called Nickel and Diming Myself to Death. Right. Because I'm the sucker for the deal, the discount, the thrift, the Mm. like I used to compete with how little I paid for something. Right. And a lot of that is that, you know, how you were saying, like, I'm not going to pay $10 for that shirt. It's a lot of that fast fashion, but it was like, oh my God, but this is regularly. $300. $300. It's on for right. 10. I must have it. So whether you need it or not. So you're like my grandma used to be. She had a closet full of things that she didn't need it, but it was on sale. So we grabbed it. Yeah, that was me. I'm, I'm recovering from that. Okay, good. Well, I'm glad. Um, it is tempting though. We start to see, we get the emails now, we get hit all the time with technology and the browsers because you looked at ski goggles last week. Now all the ski goggle sales are popping in front of you. We are completely disarmed. We are out of our league when it comes to marketing in front of us these days. What's coming up here for Canadians? Black Friday is, is so close. Yeah, and it's like, I kind of call it the silly season because it's like one thing after the other, right? There is Black Friday, then there is, you know, all your like pre-Christmas, post-Christmas, there's the Boxing Day, like we're in this season now of all the madness and the frenzy. And we got, I think we got to be real with ourselves that a lot of it, it, like it's, it's very psychological. It's a little bit like, it's almost, I'm not a casino person, but I feel like it's a little bit like, Mm almost like the slots, like every time, like you see, I have it, I have Amazon and I have, you know, all of those apps as well. So I'm getting these little tings of this is on sale or you looked at that and it's now 80% off and there's, you know, the endorphins are going. So it's very, 
it's very hard to not get silly at this time of year. And mm -hmm. I think, I think we got to temper this. Okay. I don't want to be the person that's like, listen, you can't afford it. Just don't shop for black Friday. Just shut your phone off and just don't that it's not realistic. We're not going to do that. So, right. <laughs> well, you know, let's, let's talk about some realistic tools that we can have and, and kind of what the sentiment is right now, just with Canadians, because we're in this stage with inflation, shrinkflation, interest rates going up. Like it's, such a mixed bag it's ugly. right now. <laughs> it's it's ugly. Storm. So we have so we have a couple of things in front of us. Now, sometimes we can take full advantage of, and some of us need Black Friday for our budget to get the Christmas presents for you know a month from now. So that's where I'm I'm not one to say don't spend your money. It's your money. But if you're looking at your financial health and wealth in general, the um, how to, for me, I'm seeing going to Black Friday with a very clear budget. Like, don't go to the grocery store hungry. <laughs> don't go to the Black Friday sale without a plan and a budget, yeah. including things like shipping, all of that. So yeah. where do we start here, and what are Canadians looking at? Yeah, I absolutely agree. Now that you know you've kind of hit on the hit it on the nail there that honestly you can get some really good deals on black friday sales and i know you know a couple of years ago i was in the market for a computer well before black friday and i thought hmm i'm gonna hold off and see if this like i figured it all out priced it all out knew which computer i wanted which system what the price was waited for the black friday sale to see if that was a better deal and then there's also like Cyber Monday that comes, right? So right. it's like you've kind of already, I'd already put a certain amount of money aside, already budgeted out what it was today. But it's like, hey, if it gets better on Black Friday or if it gets better on Cyber Monday, I'd rather buy it for less. But the money was already earmarked for that. So I think you really hit the nail. And, and I love that comparison. Grocery shopping when you're hungry, like it's the worst thing you can do. And it's the same with uh, you know, you think about hidden costs as well. And there's a lot, Black Friday, there's a lot of just plain old free shipping. But what are some of those hidden costs? Like, it's a great deal. It's on sale. But I'm putting it on my credit card and not paying it off. Well, by right. the time you add the interest on there, that $30 thing might actually end up costing you $300. It really wasn't such a right. great deal. So, you know, some of those kinds of things that we got to start looking at. Comparison shopping. Like just because you got the ad from here doesn't mean that's the best deal. Do a little comparing. Hey, how much is it at this place versus this place versus online, right? That could help us out. And yeah. um, and, and having that budget and staying within the budget so you're not overspending or overbuying, right? I think another big one is finding a way to not get in the trap of keeping up with what everybody else is doing like I don't know about you but I definitely I, maybe this is more with females but one of the things we like to do socially is let's all go shopping <laughs> so you're out shopping with the girls well, and, the social call yeah right so you're out shopping with the girls and they're buying that pretty necklace at you know this jewelry store and they're buying you know this pamper me stuff here and that's not necessarily what you came out to shop for so right I think there's a few pitfalls that we could just, if we just took a moment to just prepare and then go out there. I think you could really have a blast with Black Friday and really do well for Christmas shopping, maybe even for some of your own things that you've been putting off. I think you could actually score big if we can be mindful about it.
This is cool. Okay, so we want everyone to feel not alone. So here's my intention for Christmas this year. I was just asked, as I was coming to this meeting, uh, by the mother of my children, she helps the kids with um, the Christmas presents, right? So the kids now have to sort of pick the presents, have the ideas, and then we help them get them. But they don't have to buy our presents yet. We help them with that. That's the way we do it. Yeah. I realize everyone does that a little differently. Um, the the thing though is she said, well, what do you want for Christmas? I really don't want anything. I'm looking for activities. So I just wanted to throw that out there saying, well, I really want to do something for me and I really want to do something maybe with the kids. So I'm thinking maybe some gift cards for ski resort, right? Stuff like that to help contribute to what that looks like. So that's my intention. Your intention gets to be your intention. And you have some stats though. I want mm-hmm. I want the Shift Head audience to, to understand that they're not alone in what they might be going through. So can you go through some of the stats that you've found from Deloitte and some of these other great organizations and research they've done? Yeah. And um, and so people know that they're not alone when the finances have taken a hit, that some people are looking for electronics, but others really aren't. So what do you have there? Yeah, absolutely. Deloitte just did a ledger survey. And so here's a couple of stats we found through that. 17% of Canadians are saying uh, that they are expecting uh, to spend about fifteen twenty in their $1,520 in their household for their Christmas shopping. Um, there's been a drop, like Canadians are spending a little bit less on certain things. Um, so they're treating themselves a little bit less on, you know, electronics, 55% less, 30% less in travel, 27% left on non-gift clothing. So we're kind of, a lot of Canadians are pulling back. But also Canadians are are saying that's because their household finances have taken a hit this year. And 48% of Canadians are expecting it to get worse in 2023. So it's not like a, it's not like, yay, we're just not spending as much money because we've just gotten really good. It's sort of like, hey, it's been a rough year. We're expecting it to get worse. So we kind of have no choice but to pull back. It wasn't, it's not super proactive. It's a little bit reactive. Mm -hmm. And so I, um, I just want everyone to know that you're not alone. Like the, I, we feel crappy, right? We're like, oh, I got to do less this year. Right. Can't do as much kids. And we, we create some sort of story around it. And there's no story to be had. Look, it is what it is. One of the things that I, I have done this year and I've started way earlier. Uh, there's one gift fell through. I have to be careful just in case, uh, in case the kids listen to the podcast. Um, <laughs> what, one, one gift fell through, and now I'm in a bind. Everything else has been organized and done in advance. Take that one on. Try that. I know, gentlemen, last minute, kind of your jam. It's sort of woven in your DNA. You're not mm-hmm. alone in that. Mm-hmm. But being prepared earlier and discovering what's available earlier, getting started earlier, that really helps in this, doesn't it? Yeah, it really can. So like one of the tricks that I use, and I'll do that this year as well, come December like 30th and that first week of January-ish, that's when I pick up all my next year's Christmas gifts, to be honest. Like I, I already really? have, I, I we in our family, we do um, pajamas. And there right. was like a crazy deal last year. I think it was late December. I couldn't believe, I mean, they were crazy cheap. And I'm like, well, I'm going to buy pajamas for Christmas anyways. They're super cheap now. So yes, I mean, right. if you can shop early, but let's face it, like you said, like one of you did start early, something fell through. Some of us, male or female, some of us honestly were just last minute. Sometimes it just sneaks up on you. Like, 
what Christmas is next week? How did we get here so fast? Right. Yeah. And I think in those situations, either, you know, you've kind of, you have the budget, you had planned a budget and you just stick with that. Maybe you pivot in terms of what kind of gifts you're doing, or maybe that is a time where you go, wow, okay, it's last minute. Everything is way more expensive than it was supposed to be. Maybe I'm baking. <laughs> maybe right. I'm giving everyone coupons for a back rub, you know, like me and, and, Let's get over, like you were saying, the shame and the stigma around, oh, sorry, I didn't do much for you. Let's let's give it with heart. Really, what is this giving season about, right? It's about care. Mm -hmm. It's about love. It's about a way of showing that we appreciate somebody. And the majority of us really, truly are not like in lack. You know, we can kind of get most of the things that we want to get for ourselves. It's this nice gesture of hey i appreciate you i love you i care about you it's a special time of year and i want to celebrate you and i don't know about you but for me it doesn't matter what the gift is i'm just so grateful that you thought of me so mm -hmm. let's stop beating ourselves up because the recipient of the gift is not going oh why'd you give me this cheap thing or why did you just bake <laughs> me something today yeah, right? that's, like, that's not happening you don't do that do you i don't no. i don't do that when someone no, gives me I... something homemade i'm like why did you give me this crap <laughs> No, that's I'm usually uh, the other way around. Like you spend an awful lot of time uh, investing in me. That's for sure, yeah. right? So, um, yeah, no, that's that's one of those things that 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 I think that everyone's there. Although we get tangled up in it in our head. Okay, so Taz, you know debt, Bromwich and Smith. That's what you guys do. You help people fix this. But the you've also been through this yourself. So maybe a tool, a specific tool, intentional tool on spending about going in, it's kind of like the old days where you used to track on the checkbook and you would write it all down. We tend to go in and we tap, tap, tap a mm. and then we get home, we're like, whoa, that was an expensive day. <laughs> we don't go about it. So did you ever write a list with a note and say, Susie, $20, or um, if you didn't know what to get Susie, or those kinds of things, what worked for you? Yeah, I mean, pre-going through, I, 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 I was always a person who had a budget in place, um, but like, un, you know, unfortunate circumstances occurred and that's what we often will see at Bromwich and Smith is, you know, people go through different things, but for a very long time, I went completely cash because that's exactly what was happening. It was the tap, tap, tap. And it wasn't, if it was the end of that day, you, I could still catch myself. It wasn't until the next month that I'd realize, whoa, where, where's the money? Why, why is there no money in the account? What happened? What did mm -hmm. I do? Right? Like that's usually what happens when we're just tapping so i honestly yes i mean i do i make my list of who i want to do something for for christmas um there's a big list of people that just get a card a handwritten card and that is all that they're getting but it's heartfelt and it maybe cost me a dollar a dollar fifty maybe five bucks right um and then there's you know family members um but yes I, envelopes or jars are a really good tip that have helped me and I, I definitely you know I would go out with my sister and I'd pull out my you know my entertainment envelope and she's like what are you doing I'm like oh this is cash that I'm going to use to pay for our dinner today she's like you have a bunch of envelopes in your purse yeah yeah I do like I, I'm not going to make bones about it I I went through a bankruptcy and now I have cash envelopes. Thank you very much. I think that's being pretty responsible. So mm -hmm. <laughs> I think we got to find what works for us. For some people, it's different bank accounts. So they're still tapping, but there's only so much you can. This is your Christmas spending bank account. So you're not going to yeah. go over because 
that's what you've got. So I think we've got to find what works for us. And I think we got to not be apologetic for it. Yeah. I like that. I, I have, um, I have noticed one thing just recently, actually, that's, that's been happening here is, uh, your way I'm way more intentional when I go in with uh, a budget, I, I shop differently. I listen differently. I look differently. I enjoy the experience differently. So you can thoroughly enjoy this backup payments is a new one that I think is starting to catch me every now and then. And so I've been actually dropping as I go through paying things off, I've been dropping credit card limits. And one of the reasons why I'm dropping credit card limits is because I have lines of credit, right? They're way cheaper for so I'm gonna if I'm gonna have debt, my line of credit is, a, you know, a third of what my credit card is for interest payments. So that's where I got caught my when when the interest rates all changed, I mean, my interest payments, had gone into, well, four digits of what my interest payments were monthly. That's a lot. Right. And so I, I started, I'm like, this is crazy. I'm going to take full advantage of the things that I have access to. You see, so, but backup payments is is one of the things that I've noticed is that now that all of my, my credit cards are cleaned up, I notice now when um, I have one card, it's $1,000 on it. And so when you go get gas and you pre-approve $200 for gas and then you spend $200 on gas, that's $400 on the credit card, even though 200 of it goes away in a few days, that's 400 on the limit. Right. So if I get to, if I get to the thousand dollars on that card really quickly, which I can just through day-to-day -day bills and shopping, all of a sudden my cell bill or my cable bill goes to pay. Right. It doesn't go through. What do I have on my account? I have a backup payment. And so the backup payment could pull from my, my checking account. It could pull from a different credit card, whatever. So I don't even know that my $65 subscription for my cable has actually gone through a different card today. So it's not until I reconcile and they go, well, where did that money go? And then you look and you're like, oh, by the way, I was traveling. That card was capped. I knew that because I had all kinds of pre-approvals on it for travel and for gas and car rentals and hotels and all those things. Right. And so all of the bills started going through the backup payment. I didn't even look at the backup card. Take a wild guess. Now there's $300 in the backup card just because I wasn't paying attention. Right. Right. And I think, you know, this uh, kudos to you for even having a backup card. Like just this is something I talk about is the expected unexpected. Like you know you're going to have these pre-approvals. You know you're going to be traveling. So you could say it's an unexpected hold on your credit card except you know you're going to be traveling it's kind of expected right? i should have been more prepared it's just that simple it's what it boils down to and that i think that's for all of us there are these unexpected there's these expected unexpected things look if you own a vehicle the likelihood that there's going to be something a flat tire you're going to run out of gas you have to replace your windshield like something's going to happen just by the virtue of the fact that you have a vehicle so when it happens, it's unexpected, but the fact that something is going to happen is expected. And that's right. why, you know, you, you hear financial planners and financial coaches talk about the importance of an emergency fund. Yeah, it's an emergency at that moment. Technically, it's not an emergency because you kind of, the fact that you own a car means you're going to have something happen. The yeah. fact that you travel or you fill gas, you know there's going to be holds on your credit card, right? So really... Shane, honestly, I feel like every, and I say this all the time and people are probably sick and tired of hearing me talk about 
a budget or a spending plan, but it goes back to that. If we don't ultimately know how much money comes into my bank account every month, how much is going out every month that's fixed, and what are some of these other non-fixed things? If we don't know that in a very basic level, we are going to get ourselves in trouble. Now, just because you know it doesn't mean you won't get in trouble, but that's right. You'll, you'll see it coming at least, or you'll be able to react a bit quicker if you just, and it might sound excessive. Like I honestly, I reconcile daily what went through the bank account. What am I expecting to come out? Oh, do I need to put a little money back into this account? Cause I overspent here or right. But I know exactly what's going on. So nothing really super catches me that much off guard. And I can't get myself in too much trouble. Cause I've I have a budget, I have a spending plan, and I'm reconciling it. That's good. I, I Look, it's your money. You get to create your money your way. These are just ideas for you to do it. If you truly want to have an emergency cheeseburger fund, yes, do it. <laughs> Just do it. Set aside your 20 bucks and put it in the envelope. And, you know, twice a month, you can have the I'm jonesing a cheeseburger fund, whatever it is that works for you. And that's amazing. And I can tell you this is that I started as soon as the, the pay would come in moving 50 bucks. I just moved 50 bucks. I used to have this, uh, you know, a really good savings account that was flush with cash. And of course, through the course of being a parent that's just been dwindling, dwindling. <laughs> and I just got to a point where I'm like, you know what, this is crazy. So I'm going to put 50 bucks in it as soon as I get paid. And I don't do it automatically. I still do it manually because I'm trying to be more in tune with my finances. Yeah. And if I mindful. need to take it out, I can always take it out. So I put it in there. And, um, and you know what's happened? I've actually started putting a hundred bucks in because I was like, I don't even really miss it. Like, I mean, I, there, at the end of the month, I run out of money. I really do. And if I am not at $0, if there was $1 left in that account by the end of the paycheck, I didn't do it right yeah. because all the all the things have not gone to all the right places. So I need to be at zero by the end of the pay period because that means all the money's gone to the right places. If I'm at minus one or one, didn't do it. So just give it a try. Give it a go. Taz, you're awesome. Thanks for helping us out. We will chat with you again soon as we're trying to bring everybody some little ideas on how to get cleaner with the finances. Great to see you. You bet. Thanks for having me. This is the Shift Podcast. Okay. In big news, Grey's Anatomy star Alan Pompeo is leaving. Now, many famous people have left shows before, but it did get us wondering on this question. Do you have a show where somebody left and it was never the same again? Grace Sloan Memorial Hospital just won't be the same without Meredith Gray. So uh, it was Thursday that it was announced, by the way, and she shared a nice warm message thanking the show's devout fan base to supporting her across all 19 seasons. This is forever. Ellen Pompeo is officially starting the farewell parade for Meredith Grey. Yeah, one week after season 19's fiery fall finale, Ellen penned an emotional goodbye letter to Grey's Anatomy fans, saying, quote, I am eternally grateful and humbled by the love and support you have all shown me. Meredith Grey and the show for 19 seasons. Through it all, none of it would have been possible without the best fans in the world. Now, although the mid-season finale saw Meredith leave Seattle for a new job in Boston, Ellen reassured fans that her character's new position definitely leaves the door open for guest appearances, adding, quote, this isn't your first time on the roller coaster. You know the show must go on, and I'll definitely be back to visit. She's leaving the show. Um, I don't know if you heard. And 
because uh, she got caught stealing band-aids from the set. They uh, <laughs> really. Finally, they caught her. Yeah, and they yeah. and they had to sadly had to let her go. Uh, but uh, is Can it, you imagine it, what she would have in her house now if from? Oh man. Yes, that was Ellen's former co-star Patrick Dempsey, aka McDreamy, on Thursday's Jimmy Kimmel Live, where he reacted to her departure and the impact the series has had on their lives. It's amazing the power of that show and how long it's lasted and the, and the impact it's had around the world. It's changed my life profoundly and my family's. The show's creator, Shonda Rhimes, shared her own heartfelt message for Ellen, writing in part on Instagram, what a wild ride these past 19 seasons have been. None of it could have been possible without the incomparable Ellen Pompeo, the one and only Meredith Grey. This isn't a goodbye, it's a see you later. Now, Grey's Anatomy was never my thing because they get all hospitally. And that gives me the heebie-jeebies. But the um, my daughter loves to watch it, and there's like surgeries and stuff happening. I'd be like, "Oh my god, I can't be in the room for this." Uh, that was ET Canada, by the way. Grey's Anatomy will return on February twenty third, twenty twenty three. And um, so the question is: Is what TV show has never been was never the same after somebody left? Angel says NCIS wasn't the same after Denoso left. Yeah, see, I'd agree with that. Um, there's always a few. When Hawaii Five O ended, when McGarrett was leaving, they ended the show. It kind of looked like there was going to be, um, there was going to be some continuance without him, and then it all ended. So what shows um, are like that? That '70s show had a huge shakeup at the end of season seven. Eric, who is Topher Grace, he left the show in a heartfelt moment uh, in his with his character dad, Red. I don't know if you know this, but. I've been looking forward to you getting out of the house for a long time. Yeah, I believe your exact words were, it will be more glorious than D-Day. Yeah. Well, you're my son and I'm your father. Here. That's your pocket knife from Korea. You said if I ever touched that, I'd meet the same fate as hundreds of other godless commies. Well, I want you to take it to Africa with you. Really? Wow, Dad, that means a lot. And son, I want you to know that I'm going to miss you and I love you and have a good trip. <clears throat> Wait a second, what did you just say? So have a good trip. No, before that. You heard me. Wow, this feels like one of those moments when, you know, normal people would hug. <laughs> Thank you, Dad. So, really, any last-minute advice? Uh, yeah. You lose that knife, don't come home. <laughs> I love it. Okay. Um, that was actually such a good show. I, I love that show. Some other ones that have come in on the text. TV shows that were never the same after a character left, but... Um, you're probably too young to remember this, but Beauty and the Beast with Ron Perlman and Linda Hamilton, she left after the second season. The character was killed off. They parachuted in uh, unsatisfactory replacement. Never worked out. The show ended abruptly. Um, 
There's no chemistry. Okay, cool. Thank you very much for that text. Sorry, I don't have the name attached to that one. I um, appreciate that one. You know, there's a couple other ones that have, since we talked about this, Ryan, that have come up for me that I, I thought of when Stabler left Law and Order Special Victims Unit. That was a big one. That dun, he, dun. Yeah, and he left, um, he left, and it made for, like, the show just wasn't quite the same. And then he came back. Now, I think they've retitled it. I, I don't watch it so much anymore, but um, I think they've actually retitled it. There it is. Well done. Um, they've got like a new version of the special victims unit, but he left. He he retired after a season twelve and season ender, and he was done. Uh, Jerry Orbach, Law and Order. There you go. Thank you very much. Uh, all in the family after Gene Stapleton left, it changed to Archie's place. Some real throwbacks here. When um, Shelley Long left, Cheers. Yeah. That's interesting. I hadn't thought of that one. When Shelley Long left Cheers, they replaced her with Kirstie Alley, and the show was never the same as that. That's true. But it was good, though. Kirstie Alley was good. Aw. See, isn't that nice? Doesn't it make you feel like you want to go to the bar? They don't make theme songs like this anymore, don't they? Right? As an edit, obviously, for the show. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. It makes me want to get together with my friends and drink peach beer until I'm hungover. Nice. <sighs> hey, very good. Okay, yeah, um, love it. Love it. Okay, I, there's a couple other good ones here that I've uh, that I've I've compiled. Let's get into this one first, though. The Office. Steve Carell left. It was the end of series seven, citing a need to move with more time with his family. He said, "I think it's a good time to move on," and then he left the show. It sounded like this. Wow, so that's it, huh? Just four o'clock and you are gone for good. Why am I so sad? Am I doing the wrong thing? Absolutely not. It's just that sometimes goodbyes are a bitch. <laughs> T-shirt idea. Goodbye stink. Okay, all right. So... James Halpert. You started with his company as a fine young man. You know what I think we should do? I think we should just say the goodbyes for tomorrow at lunch. Oh. Okay. And then tomorrow, I can tell you... What a great boss you turned out to be. Best boss I ever had. No way. He was a terrible boss. <laughs> well, he, well, by the end of season seven, he's a pretty good boss. But yeah, first like four seasons, it's pretty rough. But yeah, yeah. it is very rough. Um, when Alan Alda left MASH. Now, see, I don't remember. Um, I don't remember. I thought they all left at the same time. But you could be right there, so I looked that up. Um, you know what it was for me, one of the big ones? And it happened twice on this show. Um, they had two distinct um, shakeups. And one was to create another show, and one was to um, replace a, someone that they said was crazy. Um, three's Company. So the first one, I believe, was the Ropers left to become the Ropers. 
And then and Mr. Furley came in. And when Suzanne Summers left, they went through that with two times. And um, Cindy Snow came in, Jenny Lee Harrison um, as well. And then there was Terry came in three times. Terry came in with Pris- Pris- Priscilla Barnes as Terry on that show. So that one changed a bunch of times. And they managed to keep it going. That was good, right? Yeah, Alan Alda did not leave MASH. Yes, thank you. I didn't think so. I thought they all left at the same time. Well, except for Klinger stayed behind, I think. He, yeah, he stayed behind to help his wife find his her family. Um, so you know that's like that's fantastic. I, you know, these shows that have these people that that everything changes, and then of course John Ritter, um, he was on the the oh god, what was his uh, my teenage daughter? What was that show where he was on? They didn't continue that show. That's when he passed away. Um, trying to find it here quickly. Eight simple rules for dating my teenage daughter. And that had Kaylee Cuoco in it. And that's when they were on the set of that when he died. So uh, that one did not continue. So pretty amazing stuff, right? Uh, the the way that these these people and the, the, the shows and the impact of the shows. Uh, I would argue, Ian says, I would argue that Cheers got better after Shelley Long left. Oh, that's a good part is we get to have our opinions. That's awesome. Well done. Thanks, Ian, for sharing that. Um. Yeah, it's fascinating to to look at all these shows. Is there anything for you, Ryan, that comes up that you that any shows that you miss in your uh, millennial life? The Office was the big one for sure. The Office is the big one, and I would yeah. say as well, uh, Superstore. Uh, America, what's her last name? America, I forget. One of the main characters on Superstore left, and the last two seasons were terrible because she left. It just didn't never recovered. Uh, but that one's still on. Show, or is it done? It's done. It had a really good finale, but the, it was rough without her. But yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's fan. I, it was a good show. I watched it. I found it delightfully awkward. I suppose that one really cool exactly. stuff. All right. Yeah. So, what shows? You can feel free to text us. Uh, continue. Um, Doctor Colonel, Doctor Henry Blake left Mash. Okay, thank you very much. I love you guys and your Mash trivia. It makes me so happy. <laughs> Such a good show. This is the Shift Podcast. Are you okay with DIY meat? Like not like like hunters and stuff. That stuff's fine, but DIY meat. Yeah. Were you talking like a grown meat, like in a like in a lab? Well, first of all, um, yes. Okay. Second of all, that's a typo. Um, but yes. Okay. Uh, am I okay with it? Lab-grown yes. meat. Yes, I think I am. In theory, because you know how the toll that the meat industry takes on the environment is substantial. I don't think we're mm. ever going to get to a place where uh, artificially grown or created meat would outpace the other industry. However, if it could like fulfill part of the market or just make it less environmentally harmful to raise the amount of cattle and chickens we consume, you know, kind of take some pressure off. I think I'm okay with that, but I'd have to try it. You know, it's kind of like any food. You don't know it till you try it. Uh, you know, I thought I'd hate Brussels sprouts. And then I tried them. I was like, these are actually pretty good. 
Oh my God, we can't be friends. What is wrong with you? See, it's really surprising. I thought that you would. This is. I thought that when you get older, you start to like Brussels sprouts. I hated them as a child, and then like when I turned like eighteen, I was like, oh, these these are pretty good. No, 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 that's wrong. Nope, doesn't. (laughs) It's wrong. There's no room for arguing. It's just wrong. No, it's not. It's not. And you're not allowed to have your own opinion either about Brussels sprouts. Well, people (laughs) say people say, oh, they're great. Just bake them in bacon. It's like, no, you like bacon. Anyway, we're here to talk about lab-grown meat. Okay, here's the thing. Yeah. Lab-grown okay. meat. I get the principle, right, of uh, growing cells and meat. I get all that. I also get that most of us don't see what happens to the animal when it walks into the dun-dun-dun uh, shop. Yep. And they make it all end. So it, what is more disgusting? Growing it in a Petri dish and serving it to you or going through the processing plant and serving to us. I mean, we are eating another being. But there's still something about it being grown in a Petri dish that makes me go, who? That's fair. I think that's a fair, because that's where we assume, like we associate Petri dishes with like bacteria or that scene in the thing when they're trying to test and Ugh, see if the blood reacts fly. to the heat, right? Fly, you know, that's what a Petri dish is for. But that's where this meat was created also it the 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 lab grown i found the proper terminology for it it's cultured meat like oh see that's even worse culture. it's even worse <laughs> but it, uh yeah you uh, know what they're gonna call like they know. got they've got they've got um beyond meat <laughs> yes beyond Meat. like this uh, this impossible this is a good name for beyond meat not by the way we've taken plants and blended it up and tried to make it taste like a burger meat, which is not meat. Like beyond meat for veggie burgers should not be called beyond meat. It's not meat. They should call it, it's not meat, but we tried. I can't believe it's not meat. Exactly. Beyond meat. Cultured Petri dish. I feel like it's a swab sample. Like that's terrible. Anyway. Um, that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to grow uh, the meat. So I guess the cows can be pets again. In places like Japan, work is underway to make it a viable option for human consumption. Japanese food company Nishin Food Products and Tokyo University have co-developed the country's first edible lab-grown meat. The cultured meat is the first in Japan that it's solely made from edible ingredients. Lab-cultured meat is gaining increasing attention as a solution to the global food shortage. Researchers hope to make a two-centimeter thick chunk of lab-grown meat by 2025. Okay, that's still gross. Like, any way you describe it. Okay, a a chunk of grown meat does sound... Two-centimeter chunk of grown meat. It's a very specific number, and for some oh. reason, the specifics of it make me uncomfortable about it. I don't, I can't really oh, understand, explain why, but it, it didn't help. But I just imagine—I don't know if you get—do you ever get restless leg syndrome when you go to bed and your legs twitch? Of like you're like lying there, and all of a sudden it's like a little bolt of lightning where you're like, bzz, right, and your leg twitches. Oh, yeah. yeah. I imagine this petri dish sitting there growing and then getting restless leg syndrome and just like twitching. <laughs> God. So- that's that's something out of a horror movie. That's that's my specific. imagination. That's what I see when I imagine a chicken nugget being grown in a petri dish. 
That's what I imagine. Well, reporters with Bloomberg got to try. First of all, they said um, the fit for human consumption, like the first edible ones, which means that the other stuff they made was not edible. Like, you know, that's like the silica packs that are in things where they say do not eat on it because, you know, somebody somewhere yeah. ate it. Yes. Unfortunately, somebody did. So that means to me that the stuff they made before this was absolutely not fit for human consumption. Anyway, reporters of Bloomberg got to try out some of this cultured, lab-grown chicken nugget stuff. It's pretty tasty. I can't claim I'm tasting chicken yet, though. I might just be tasting the really nice exterior. It doesn't look exactly like chicken. It looks a little bit more rubbery, if I'm honest, but it tastes damn good. You know what? What I'm really thinking is, just, I'm eating chicken. No. But you're, you're not. But, okay, I have a question for you then, Shane. Okay, so mm. let's say you try it. You put mm. aside all the very real, like, about it. You try it, and it mm -hmm. actually tastes good. Would it change your mind about it, or do you think you'd still get the ick? That's a tough one. Right? That's what I'm If it tastes with, good. I, I, I would try uh, it. Most of us... Um, most of us would be pretty hypocritical. If it tasted good, we would do it. I mean, we're pretty much grossed out by everything that doesn't taste good or that we imagine doesn't taste good. So you could be right. To top it all off, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration has given a safety clearance to lab-grown meat for the first time. And according to CNN, Upside Down Foods, a California... You know what? Upside Down Foods, great name for plant-based burgers. That is a good name. That is a good name. Beyond Meat. <laughs> Better, better for for this. Anyway, they make meat from cultured chicken cells. That's so gross. Why do I have such a hard time with that? I really do. And they're going to be able to start selling its products once its facilities have been inspected by the U.S. Department of Agriculture. The agency said it's evaluated the information submitted by submitted by Upside Down Foods, and it had no further questions at this time about the firm's safety conclusion. Upside Down Foods CEO said the process of making cultivated meat was similar to brewing beer. No, it's not. But instead of growing yeast or microbes, they grow animal cells. No, it's not. That's why you don't like it. That's why right there, because this makes us think about what we eat on a literal, like, microscopic level. About the science and the craziness of what we consume and how we consume it. And that draws attention to the fact that, like, yeah, a cow is just a cell that grows into a bunch of bigger cells that we then eat. This is a cell that grows into a bunch of bigger cells that we eat, except it's well, grown in a dish rather than another cow. And I tell think you that's what. what's kind of screwing with us. Let me take your logic and also remind you, yes, a cow grows into other cells and becomes bigger and we eat it. You have grown into other cells. You're I bigger have. and you don't see me trying to take a chunk out of your arm when I'm hungry. Thankfully, it's just mostly right? bone too. There, it's not much fat on there. I don't think that'd be very tasty. <laughs> That's unbelievable. So, what are those uh, eggs called? Those chocolate eggs with the toys inside? A Kinder egg. Yeah. So, just to be clear, yeah. Kinder eggs are illegal in the states because they have a toy inside. They're not safe. But the same agency that says that Kinder eggs are not allowed in the states says you're allowed to eat chicken nuggets grown in a dish. Context. Are you okay with <laughs> Tinder dates? Well, I have a girlfriend, so my appropriate answer is no. <laughs>
No. Well, right now you and I both don't, but I have a mixed uh, 50-50, right? Okay, well, the one was on Bumble, but it's very similar to Tinder. Worst relationship of my life? Met on Tinder. Best relationship of my life? Current relationship? Probably only relationship moving forward? Online dating. So I think it's Mm -hmm. a really easy way to meet people. The problem is like thinning out like what people's intentions are because there are people who are just looking up for the hookups and that's totally fine. And then there's the people that are looking for the communication. And then there's also the kind of thing where you're just swiping, looking at the picture, not really actually reading about the person. So there's a real dopamine problem there. Yes, exactly. It is. And that's why so many people after a breakup will immediately install it because they just want the potential dopamine. That's what I did. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, That's the thing. I mean, Hey, look how you meet your person. Who cares? Go meet your person. Um, be very, very careful about how slippery the slope is on your ego and self-confidence. It is very, very dangerous that way. But aside from that, Tinder dates, I don't care, man. You want to go, you know, bang around and do your thing, then give her. If you want to go, just make sure that everyone's on the same page, right? And, yeah. you know, if you're dating, you're dating. Go meet your people. Um So here's two, we have to be quick here. Here's two terrible Tinder date tales to share with you on this Monday morning. First off, Jeffrey Schaefer, Delaware business owner, who's now headed to jail because he ditched his Tinder date to join the January 6th Capitol riot, by the way, according to KSL TV on the eve of uh, President Trump's Stop the Steal rally on, on January 6th. Schaefer drove from Delaware to Northern Virginia to spend the night at the home of a woman he met on Tinder. Nice night, they. The next day, he decided to take an Uber ride to the Capitol after seeing the ride unfold. He basically got up and said, nice. good morning, don't need breakfast, I'm out. He went to the riots instead. He's now spending 30 days in jail and a $2,000 fine. In another story recently, there's a new contender for the worst Tinder date ever. Uh, this Memphis woman was just looking for a little bit of romance, hello, when the exact opposite happened. In search of a companionship, a 20-year-old woman turned to Tinder where she says she met a man named Darius. They started texting, and she agreed to meet him at a home along Madrid Avenue in Binghampton. While sitting in her car, she told officers an unknown man entered the vehicle wearing a ski mask and pointed a gun at her side while demanding her valuables. It was that moment when reality set in, and she realized she swiped the wrong way. Police records say she jumped out of the car and the carjacker took off in her vehicle. Hours after the robbery, the woman says the suspect called and texted her and said that he would be willing to give her car back for $500. With that information, officers say they were able to link the crime to 25-year-old Elijah Darius Scott. This week, he was arrested and now faced several charges. Reporting in Binghamton, Jordan James, WREG, News Channel 3. You know, back in the day, we used to make jokes about, you know, bus fare. That's next level. Um, So last year, that same guy was among other people accused of ransacking a woman's condo in southeast Memphis and stealing $60,000 worth of items. He was charged with aggravated robbery and theft, but the charges were later dropped. He's being held on $260,000 bond. Can we just all agree that if you are dating on apps, make sure you meet in a public place with other folks around, like a coffee shop? Right. Where you can tell your friends you're going on a date and where you're going. Tell your friends, do the phone in the check in rule. By the way, if you don't hear from me from this time, do the uh, oh, sorry, my friend's calling. Please excuse me type thing. Right. Do one of those. Just a smart way to do it. 
Anyway, at least everyone's okay. Although bold, saying, by the way, I'll give your car back for 500 bucks. I mean, give them credit for being bold, even though illegal and now going to jail. <sighs> That's why relationships are terrible. Don't ever get in one. I'm just kidding. They're lovely. We're all better off because of them somehow. Thanks for listening to the Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca.